Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 116, presented by OptumX Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you the latest news from the ACHA and AAU College Hockey. Herm, what a weekend we had. I, there was a lot of high expectations going into Alumni Weekend at CUSE. I know I've been on my high horse about it for a long time, one of my favorite weekends of the year. I was glad you were there to be able to experience. And any takeaways from the weekend? I know the boys didn't get it done on the ice. Uh, they played a really good pit team, but I thought all in all it was a good weekend. I think Chris Timmons has really turned the Syracuse program around. That's really what I'm impressed by. I think last year's Q's team might not necessarily have fared as well against this year's pit team. For them to keep it as close was really, really impressive and a testament to the, the freshman class that got brought in. Wonderful time out at, at the bars with the boys. Overall, it was everything Murph hyped up and more. Yeah, it was it was a great weekend. Great to be back with the guys who graduated from last year. I believe I was talking with a woman from Alumni Relations since they started doing the alumni hall of fame weekend in the fall of 2019 so my freshman year we were the first graduating class who returned all of its members the following year pretty cool for the class of 2023 um you mentioned it we weren't that great last year and and it was cool for all of us to come back and kind of see where the program has gotten off to this year i know there's been a lot of goal scoring and Pitt kind of shut them down i think both of Pitt's goalies played really well and we got to see the nation's leading goal scorer front and center Olda Virag just dominated this weekend he had two goals in both games he almost plays like Ovechkin he's big he's physical and he's really good about conserving energy out there like you almost don't notice him because he's gliding around he's got to stick up and then the minute he gets the puck he just makes plays happen he bounced off a couple of guys at center ice and I was like damn this kid is a, a truck out there. It was a good weekend, though, having the Alumni Hall of Fame banquet. Brock Alvers did a really good job of, of inducting a lot of people. And to get to catch up with some guys from the class of 98, 99, 2000, those are the guys I love hanging around on that weekend. And it, it was tough to get up for the alumni game Sunday morning, 8 a.m. puck drop, but we made it work. We really had a hard time keeping score by the end of it, but we played three periods. We played in overtime, but no one scored after overtime. So we just did five puck to end it. And my team ended up winning in the five puck. So We'll chalk that up as a W. Another great weekend. And to hear, you know, so many people are following along the Hockey House pod from Syracuse too. So I want to give them a shout out. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time tuning into the Hockey House pod, I had a great weekend and uh, we're excited to have you join us for this week's episode. Fitzy's out of the lineup tonight. Collins is out of the lineup. Fitzy, as you guys know, is down in Huntsville, Alabama. He is getting underway in the SPHL and has so many team events going on early in the season. They like to get the team involved with the community and let, you know, the season ticket holders get to know the guys. So we're going to get him on. We're not going to lose track of him like we did last year. Don't you worry. But he, he says hi to everyone listening. Collins is out again this week. He's being a student athlete right now. He's recording a presentation for the national digital marketing competition. Huge weekend for the Villanova boys too. They swept RIT. They've got a lot of momentum. The cats defeating the tigers twice this weekend. So want to make sure we gave the boys a shout out. They're off doing some great things right now. Let's get into, I mean, the news this week. It is such a pleasure when something in the ACHA or AAU college hockey universe goes as viral as this photo shoot jersey reveal did. And you never know what to expect in the club hockey world. West Virginia, they did it again. I honestly think, Herm, correct me if I'm wrong, they could be credited with like the first campus photo shoot. Like the one, they weren't the first people to do it. It got very popular after they did theirs last season. 
I think if you're going to classify it as being in the hockey house era of social media, then they popularize the campus photo shoot. I'll give you that one. I wouldn't say popularize it. I think it's just, just like any trend. Somebody starts it and then enough people do it. They were the early ones last year. And then it almost feels like every team since then has done one when they reveal a jersey. West Virginia breaks the internet this week. They released a third jersey. They're calling it the almost heaven third jersey. It is a gray jersey with navy blue trim. It's the best way to describe it without looking at a photo. I feel like it is the Islanders fisherman jersey, but instead of an ocean theme, it is a West Virginia country roads theme it's got the pine trees the mountains it's got the west virginia outline on the crests with the wv on the inside of it i think it is an amazing jersey i think it is exactly what an acha third jersey should be it's a little out of control it gives off 90s vibes herm i'll ask you what broke the internet more was it the actual jerseys themselves or was it how far they went for this photo shoot of the boys and the girls in the tinted fish bowls in full gear skates blades and everything in the middle of the West Virginia woods. I think the other comment that we saw a lot of was they look a very, very roller hockey jersey. I kind of just think that's a lazy comment, to be to be fair. I saw that a lot, too. And maybe it's the sublimated jerseys. They are sublimated, so maybe if the logos were stitched or the numbers were stitched, they wouldn't be getting those comments. But I honestly feel like that's kind of just a dated comment. I feel like because of sublimated jerseys, we're not just seeing these types of designs in roller hockey. So that I, I don't know. I, I get annoyed when that. I think it's a great-looking jersey. I think it's the perfect third jersey. If they had like a home and away set like this, it might be a little too much for me. But I, I personally love it they're gaudy they're out there but they're a perfect third jersey our caption that we used for social media of these are the greatest hockey jerseys of all time i think the internet completely fell for that engagement bait by the way we appreciate all of the quote tweets furthering the uh the couple hundred followers we picked up on that one great job murph it just the combination of the scenery with the fishbowl the stellar photography from everett the whole thing was was really really well executed Got reposted by Uni Swag, Bar Down, BR Open Ice, everything college hockey. Grinelli made a TikTok of in with screenshots of us in the background of, of our tweet. Heat Daddy picked it up, which you know is legit. He had a bunch of tweets about him. Honestly, I just think the the funniest part about this whole thing, one, I immediately like right away my brain is like, this jersey and the Purdue third jersey are just like that is like going head to head when we do jersey of the year in a couple months here. Two teams that just embrace the creativity on this side of the game right your college students you can do whatever you want with your third jersey they're out there and like you said the gaudy designs like designs that traditional hockey fans are like cringing seeing these but i, I love them and the funniest thing to me was Every time we post one of these on-campus photo shoots, everybody in the comments is like, sneakers ruined it, or rollerblades ruined it, like, would have been better if you had skates. Skate guards ruined it. People find a way to say the footwear ruined it. And then you had last week, you had Arizona go out, and they were rocking full skates with skate guards on the turf. West Virginia one-upped them, and they went full blades. And they were getting so much heat for it on the internet. Everyone was like, I'm so distracted by the blades on the steel, blades on the railroad tracks. People losing their minds and it was just like no matter what you do on the internet people are going to find a way to hate on it i actually went as a journalist went straight to the source i asked the west virginia social media team i was like what's the deal here like
like everyone's chirping the skate blades and they're like yeah like we just got old skate blades you know replace them after the photo shoot like nobody's actually going on the ice after doing this so I, I think it is an unreal look I think it was so cool so West Virginia like you look at the photo of them with the pickaxe and the sledgehammer and the tinted bubbles in the middle of the foliage in West Virginia I, I think they knocked it out of the park and they deserved all all the attention they are getting this week from it if we were doing jersey rankings this early in the season they would definitely be cracking the list but they did not unfortunately crack the acha rankings which once again came out this week normally we don't have time to talk about them on the podcast because we record early on in the week we're recording later in the week on a wednesday night here so we did get the rankings and hermits much of the same they just hit shuffle again right like it is the same 25 teams as last week. No, no harm in even rushing to put out a graphic for this week. Um, but is there is there anything that stands out to you? Good to see UCO make the jump to three from five. Unsurprised to see the Bobcats drop down to six right now from three. I was interested to see if it was going to be seven. I didn't think they were going to be lower than seven. But yeah, I, I think right now, given a couple of losses and a little bit of a momentum slide, that is right where the Bobcats should be. The only thing that stands out to me, and, and we, we won't get too much into it, it does kind of feel like we're, we're, we're getting people who aren't paying attention because it's like, how do you put Ohio above Niagara? I honestly think both of those teams should be ranked higher, but it's like, did people just not see the game notes from this weekend? I don't know. I don't know. It, I think my theory might be correct. I, I, I totally agree. Well, and we'll, we'll get to that weekend series in a bit here, but had some a lot of action this weekend. It was the Derby City Showdown in Louisville. You have the teams from the TSCHL and the teams from the ACC all heading to Louisville for the Derby City Showdown. They've been doing this for a couple of years now. Some notable events. Louisville, actually, they came back down 5-2 to two to beat Virginia Tech in a shootout. Big win for the home team. But it was Kentucky and Indiana stealing the show this weekend. Both teams going 3-0 and on the weekend. The TSCHL asserting their dominance over the ACC this weekend. Kentucky gets to claim the title for the showdown. They took the picture with the trophy. I don't know if it comes down to goal differential, goals against, but Kentucky beat Virginia Tech 3-2, NC State 8-3, and UNC 4-0. Got to think the hockey hot seat helped them out here. Threw them on the hot seat. They have certainly turned things around, and, and they seem to be getting the job done. Indiana is also getting the job done. They played the same three teams, and they went 3-0 and as well, beating UNC 7-3, Virginia Tech 6-5, and NC State 3-1. That ham arena does something special, man. I'm telling you. And they, they turn it around, and, and we, we threw the rankings on the hot seat last week, and they must have gotten mad. And, and so they, they disappointed us again this week. But love to see that from Kentucky. Hoping we get the same thing from Cincinnati soon, and they can kind of get the gears turning again after their appearance on the hot seat. But breaking out the brooms, had a couple big sweeps this weekend. Want to start it off with our game of the week. Herm, horns up, baby. Texas sweeps A&M. They got the OT win on Saturday. Huge for the Longhorns. Terrible for my record in game of the week. I jumped out to a 4-0 start. Now I'm 4-3. That's three straight weeks with a loss. I got to I gotta find something. I got to find some rhythm. I think I've been going with my gut a little too much and just going with the first team that comes to mind. Huge weekend for the Longhorns. They debuted their new cream alternate jerseys, which looked great. I believe both games were sold out, which is huge for college hockey in Texas. 
Another big sweep this weekend, the Indiana Tech women swept Niagara. They had a 1-0 overtime win and then a big 7-3 win again this weekend. Another notable sweep was Northern Arizona. The D3 team is back. They took to the ice for the first time in almost a year, and they swept Park Gilbert by some large margins. And cool to see the packed house. We talked about it last episode, Northern Arizona. They draw really well, and the fans came out and showed their support, which is cool to see. Eastern Washington, another team we had in the hot seat, they had a big sweep over Western. They had a big sweep over Washington State this weekend. And as we mentioned, Villanova sweeping RIT were some big ones. And then a couple of notable splits, Alabama-Huntsville, they beat Clemson 4-2 on Friday, but Clemson got the better of them the following night with a 5-1 win. Tennessee, they upset Alabama. Tennessee Division II AAU taking on Alabama Division I AAU. They won 6-3. Bama responds by having a three-goal first period in the second game and they would hold on for a 5-4 win. So the team split, but my tiebreaker in this situation goes to the football team because Alabama football won on Saturday against Tennessee. So I think Alabama wins the weekend. But huge shout-out to the Tennessee Volunteers for a big upset win on Friday night going into Pelham and taking one. I I was looking for the Black Dog footage, and and it hadn't uploaded to the vault yet, so I was having some trouble. We'll have to go back and take a look. But Illinois beating Alabama ACHA M1 in a 19-round shootout. I mean, this is not up there with a a six-overtime game, but certainly something that raises eyebrows. Feels like you put him on a quasi-hammer in a hot seat last week, too, if I remember correctly, where you were just kind of dogging on Illinois. So I I don't know. There's something about the Hockey House reverse jinx right now. Uh, Yeah, I I did throw some shade at Illinois. They did lose 3-1 on Friday night with an empty netter. I mean, I I had to check the score sheet right away to see what this 19-round shootout looked like here. Nick Anderson scored in the second round for Illinois, and then we had Rolando Lopez. He scored in the third round for Alabama to send this thing past the third round, and then nobody scored again until the 13th round where we had one goal from Illinois and then Griffin Bouchard tied it up with a goal from Alabama. And then it wasn't until the 19th round, the 19th skater for Illinois is the one who buried it. Songshi Yang with the tuck, Illinois got the stop on the other end, which is just crazy. I mean, I don't I think you just start the rotation if you go through everybody, but we came pretty close. I know we had some people in the comment section saying it should be like in soccer where you can have the goalies come in and shoot. That would have been hilarious to see, but definitely a, a game both sides are going to remember. We got to talk about Song Shi Yang too, by the way, because if you look at his player card, and this could be inaccurate because the ACHA website is spotty sometimes, that was his first shot on goal of the season. Listen, I don't doubt it. I mean, the 19th, if he's the 19th best shooter that they have, it's early in the season. I, that might as well have been his first shot on goal. I don't know. And, you know, they they played Iowa State last weekend. And because of the ice issues, uh, they only played one game. So maybe that has to factor into it. But yeah, I mean, hats off to the goaltenders for putting up a show, you know, in the, in the overtime period and then the shootout as well. So want to make sure we gave them some shout outs. Had a couple big comebacks this weekend. Stony Brook AAU, they beat Sacred Heart 4-3. They were down 3-0 in the second period. They stuck with it. Bridgewater State scored two goals in the final four minutes to tie things up against Bryant. They ended up winning in overtime. And then Illinois' D2 team, they were down 6-4 to St. Louis University. They scored three goals in the final two minutes to take the regulation win. Some teams with hot starts. I mean, we're still talking about this team. Northern Michigan is off to a 10-0 start. Colorado Mines is a 6-0. UCLA has got a hot start. We mentioned it a little bit before. UCO jumped up in the rankings. They are 8-0. They swept Colorado this weekend. And I'm thinking, poor Colorado. They had to play at Arctic Edge two weekends in a row. They got a split against Oklahoma last weekend. Then this past weekend, they go back to Oklahoma. I looked it up. 
That's a 10 and a half hour bus ride on Google Maps. Just brutal to do that on back-to-back weekends. And they go one in three at Arctic Edge. Good news for them is they never have to go back there the rest of the way here. But wanted to give those boys a shout out for just grinding it out on the bus. Another team, and I think... They, we talked about this pre-hammering a hot seat before we, we started that segment. George Mason, remember, they lost an exhibition game to Virginia Tech, and we were like, ooh, that is a that is a tough look for George Mason and the ECHA, but they have rattled off some big wins recently, a huge 3-0 sweep this weekend. They defeated Western Michigan, and then they played San Diego State. Michael Mirando had some highlight reel goals in that one, but George Mason 11-1-1 on the season. That is huge for that program who struggled early on in the transition from M3 to M1, they got to be pretty happy with that start. Looking at George Mason's schedule, what does George Mason have to do to get ranked in the top 25? So as the schedule loads, we can point out that they did receive votes this week. They have eyes on them. I mean, that sweep against IUP could help. I know IUP probably plays a a tougher schedule. It's going to be tough. They played Duquesne, Canisius, Duquesne is a bottom team this year. That's the challenge. Is there's there's no team there's no team out for the rest of their schedule that looks like it has a remote chance of being a top twenty five team. So the question is, are they going to get in as a fringe team if they're able to like win out? So the ECHA regular season champion gets the auto bid. If they put themselves in a position where they finish in first place in the ECHA, they're in a good spot. They do have a home and home series with Navy who has had that auto bid for, I don't know how many years in a row. And then Westchester, they have a couple of one game series with Westchester who is also receiving votes. They're going to just have to keep doing what they're doing. And they have a couple M2 games sprinkled in there. I see they play Maryland on the schedule. They play George Washington. They play UNC Wilmington to end the year. So that's a a team that, given their schedule, can't afford to have any hiccups the rest of the way. I will be intrigued if they make it into nationals as that auto bid and then go up against, say, like a Jamestown. Yeah, that could be a big wake up. And remember, the ACHA National Tournament will have 24 teams. That increases the chances of, of a team like George Mason getting in. And then I, I would have to see what that bracket looks like. They might not even have to play at Jamestown. They might be playing. Um, I, again, I would have to see what, what the what the what a twenty four team bracket looks like. I want to give the the George Mason Patriots some credit. Also, I love they got the band at the game too. So you got to give them bonus points for that as well. Love hearing that on live stream. We mentioned them a little bit earlier, but Indiana is also off to a, a program best start, one of the best starts in the last fifteen years. They're eleven and two, coming off a three game sweep at the Derby showdown Oswego state also a team off to a great start. They are eight and two on the year. I was reading the article on the website and it started off with now a third of the way into their 19th season in program history. These two wins bring the Lakers to eight and two on the season. Can you believe Herm that we've got teams who are already a third of the way through their schedule, not to dampen the mood even more, but I think we have to, we have to talk about the Bob dogs. I, we got a comment. The Ohio Bob dogs need to figure it out. Question for the group. Does this weekend tell us more about Ohio or Niagara? Because Ohio made the trip out to Western New York. They played Buffalo State on Thursday, lost two to nothing. They then lose to one nothing to Niagara. And then I think Niagara scored 20 seconds into game two of the series. They got up three nothing in that first period. They hang on to win seven to one. Is this Niagara being a lot better than recent years? And, and we've talked about them a little bit. They're sneaking into that top 10 every every time now. Or is this a, we should be a little bit concerned about the Ohio Bobcats? 
I would lean more on the Niagara side, to be perfectly honest with you. I hear so much about this group from Tom and how confident in his guys he is. I think what the Bobcats challenges is that they're a young team. They've got a stacked, stacked schedule. This is not a cupcake-laden sort of thing. Like, you're you're into a top 10 schedule the whole way through uh, with teams that are, are back on the rise. I have the utmost amount of faith that Leo will be able to figure this out. The last four games, they 3-1 lost to Maryville. They lose to Buff State. They get swept by Niagara. Now they have to play... Uh, a home and home with Adrian. Would you say one of these is a must win? Like if you get a split here, it's like, all right, you're still Ohio. You're still in the mix. Maybe you start to worry if there's a sweep from Adrian. I'm certainly worried if I'm Syracuse and I see Ohio get swept and they're on a six game losing streak. And then you got to go to Athens to play them. That might be a little interesting at that point, but I think it's really early on. Like you said, they have, they have a very, very tough schedule. And the good news for them is they're not going to be punished in the rankings by losing to these teams because the teams they're losing to are also in in the top 15. I think they've at least got that buffer built in for them because of the quality of their competition. Some other notable tidbits from the weekend. Lindenwood put an end to DePaul's win streak with an emphatic 9-2 win at Centene. A little bit of an Acha M2 showcase going on in St. Louis this weekend. DePaul rattled off eight wins in a row leading up to the matchup. They had a big win over Iowa State, a redemption win, 4-3. And then they also defeated Weber State 4-3 before losing to Lindenwood 9-2. I want to give a shout out to the boys at Siena. They beat Drexel 7-2 on Breast Cancer Awareness Night. Rocking the Pink Jays. UMass with a big win over UVM. I think we talked about it last week UVM is a sneaky good team in ACHA M2 Northeast big bounce back win for UMass after losing to Keene State 5-3 on Friday night Northeastern returned the favor they beat Keene 7-2 on Saturday Cal U M3 they upset Fair State 3-2 in overtime in ACHA M3 action and then John Carroll the streaks are streaking they've made it four in a row Opening CHMA sweep, they defeated Robert Morris and Duquesne. I want to give some stick taps this week. We'll give them to the boys at Iowa State first. They were out in the community skating with Ames Minor Hockey Association on their off week. They will play Waldorf this weekend in a big Halloween matchup. But love seeing teams take advantage of the bye week and going out in the community. And I know the hockey team, after being gone for a season, is doing a lot of work with the community to kind of rebuild things up. And so they looked great doing that. And then I also wanted to give a shout out to the Jamestown Jimmies. We had a bunch of NCAA ACHA matchups this weekend. Only one team pulled away with a victory, though. It was the Jimmies. They got a weekend series split with the Cobbers of Concordia. They lost 8-3 to three on home ice. They then traveled to Concordia. They got the dub, a 5 nothing victory. I think that's huge. It's really tough when, when we pump up these ACHA matchups, and I almost think the NCAA teams kind of know more about the ACHA now, and they know bragging rights are on the line, and, and they show up for these games as well. But really cool to see the Jimmies get the job done on Saturday. Some other scores for those interested, though. Uh, Buffalo State defeated Ohio 2 nothing. We already mentioned that one. Worcester State beat URI 4-3. to three. This one was a nail-biter. Worcester State scored with like 52 seconds left to take the lead, and that is a URI team that has been not getting a lot of sleep lately. They're traveling all over the state of Rhode Island. They're playing home games away from home because their rink is, you know, their rink doesn't have ice right now, so, you know, URI is battling, but 4-3 win for Worcester State. Manhattanville got their revenge. They defeated Stony Brook 7 to nothing after Stony Brook beat them in a shootout last season. And then I, I couldn't find the score between Jamestown and Concordia Women's. 
I think we would have seen something if the Lady Jimmies had pulled something off there. And on a significantly more somber note, we wanted to offer the opportunity to the Mass Maritime hockey team to remember their teammate, Joe Benting, who tragically passed away this week. My name is Ryan Prendergast, and I am the captain of the hockey team here at Mass Maritime. The Mass Maritime club hockey team mourns the loss of Joseph Benting, a Mass Maritime alumni who played for the team before graduating in December of 2022. Joe Benting tragically passed away earlier this week. Our hearts go out to the Benting family, and we ask that you keep them in your thoughts and prayers as they go through this difficult time. Joe Benting was the most loyal, loving, and truly caring friend one could ask for. He loved the game of club hockey and it showed as he always brought the energy and happiness to the team at any moment in time. He even stuck around after graduating to help with practices and catch up with the team every so often. On and off the ice, Joe Benting was a devoted teammate. If something was to happen on the ice, Joe was the first person to have your back. This extended to off the ice as well. He was always checking in on guys, always made time to talk, and ensured guys were safe no matter how far away. He'll be missed in the locker room throughout the season, but he'll always be with us. He'll be missed greatly, Joe. Rest easy. And just like that, it is time for our interview this week. And as always, our interview is brought to you by OptumX Sports. OptumX provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is these guys know club hockey. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral at OptumXSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. Herm and I do a lot of behind the scenes work to provide all of the listeners with the most up to date information about the ACHA. And sometimes it's hard to do that with, you know, the websites and everything, but when teams use OptumX websites, it makes it so easy to go in, check the scores. When we're posting stuff on Instagram, it makes it really easy to tag players because we can go and find their names and numbers on the websites. It makes a huge difference on our end, and it makes it easier for us to provide you with the proper information. So be sure to check them out. Get your team set up with a website today at OptumXSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. You can sell tickets, merchandise, and even make payments through the team store. Kent State D3 just recently signed up. Fresno State is on the hook now. Wake Forest men's lacrosse is getting in on the action. Plenty of lacrosse teams. And then Harvard's club team as well. So be sure to check them out. OptumXSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. We'll turn it over to this week's guest, Eric Cruikshank, former Illinois ACHA M1 player. We're pleased to be joined by a former University of Illinois forward, born in Toronto, but hailing from Vernon Hills, Illinois. Number 15, Eric Cruikshank. Cook, welcome to the Hockey House Pod. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, Murph. I appreciate you guys doing this. Yeah, we're, we're psyched to have you on, and it's funny. We were just laughing. We'll get to the, the story a little bit down the road, but it's funny. We were just remembering our first interaction in the Hockey House Pod DMs, and friend of the pod, Joe Caprio, hooked us up. We're excited to have you on. I know we've been trying to get this this uh, on the books for a while, but glad to glad to be here and happy to happy to chat and excited to kind of talk through. I was thinking about all the uh, the stories and like how long, and I was like, holy smokes, I've been out of hockey and like college for five plus years. Like it's been a while, so um, it was cool to kind of rehash some of those stories with some of the boys before I got on. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioning like you know you wish you had this sort of thing back when you guys were playing. Like I'm curious, like right off the jump, like what is it like from the outside perspective now? Because you know I graduated last year so you know fresh out understand what the quality of play looks like but i'm assuming it's got to be pretty cool for a guy like you to see how far the acha has come since you graduated yeah absolutely i mean like i said before we started is like we're it's like so amazing what you guys have done and and just the the following and the growth and just the content like the quality content um and the amount of content you got got you guys get is 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 awesome and yeah i mean from the outside looking in you're like holy smokes i didn't even know some of these schools had teams 
And it's just kind of cool to see, you know, it's like an NCAA type of thing or an NHL type of thing where you're getting constant updates um, and just seeing all the craziness and all the different things that go on a, across the league. So I know all of our guys are, are huge fans of you guys. And I know you guys have grown this thing to, to be something that I'm sure when you first started this, you probably had no idea it was going to happen. And now this is a, a big part of your life. So it's really cool. And, and, and you know, we're really happy that you guys have, have really uh, kind of carried the torch as far as you are to this point. So you graduated in, in 2018. Did you have any plans after that? What have you been up to recently? That's kind of the, and we'll kind of get into the the dot, dot, dot thing. But most of us as hockey players, you know, like your goal is like NCAA and then, you know, go to play pro or whatever. And, and that's kind of all I thought about as a kid. Um, so I didn't really have like a, I was kind of like, all right, let's start applying for jobs that we can get. So I, I've been working for uh, a tech logistics company for five years so since I graduated but just living in downtown Chicago started the clothing company which I know we'll get into and yeah that's kind of it just uh I just got engaged actually just kind of like living like becoming an adult which is is kind of crazy to to come to this point but you mentioned you know chatting with the boys and, and reminiscing about the stories I bet they're pretty fired up that you're engaged they can get the crew back together for a wedding right Oh yeah. Yeah. It's going to be uh it's going to be a good one. It'll be nice to get all the boys back together. And, and I think what was special about our group, uh, our senior class is like, we had a really good, really like tight knit senior class and we're all buddies now. So um, those types of like moments to get everyone back together are, are super special. So they're, yeah, they're fired up for, uh, for that. And they're mostly fired up with bachelor party. So that'll be a good time. You got a city picked out yet? So I kind like, I'm doing Vegas for my 30th and I don't really want to do like uh, Nashville. So I think we're going to maybe do Montreal and go up North up to the, uh, to, to Canada. So that should be fun. There we go. Well, let's, let's dive into your hockey career. You mentioned being, you know, born in Toronto, uh, moving to the, the Chicago suburbs was, was hockey like a day one thing? Like, how'd you get into the game? Yeah. So it's funny because guys that know me will be listening and be like, he's not even Canadian. I, I pretty much was born in Canada and then moved to Chicago like very shortly after I was born. My parents grew up there. They were there for 30 years and they didn't really want to deal with the the healthcare and everything in the US because they had no idea how it worked. So they had me and then uh, moved me moved us down to, to Chicago. So that's how it all kind of started. But I am a citizen and I have a green card. So we can get into that later on how that kind of affected me in my my hockey career. But yeah, grew up in in Vernon Hills, played. It's crazy to say I played house league until I was a second year peewee, which I feel like most people are like already kind of into the travel by then. And then uh, moved on to I played single A for two years and then double A for two years. And then my U16 year was my first year of playing triple A. So I was kind of a late bloomer, kind of by choice in the sense where I didn't like to travel a lot. But yeah, so that was kind of the the start of it. And then um, I ended up going to Janesville, played in the North American League for a year, um, and then went up to um, Duluth, Minnesota, and played for the uh, the Minnesota Wilderness in the NA, and then finished in the uh, the NA three before going to Illinois. So it was quite the journey, but yeah. So if, you, if we want to get into any part of that. Oh, no, yeah. Let's talk about the Vietnam because, you know, you talk about a league that looks a lot different back then than it does today. The ACHA has grown a ton. It feels like there's twice as many null teams. I'm sure you have some crazy stories from those days. Yeah, man. I mean, it. it I mean, back then, like it, it was exactly as it was uh, described. Um, you know, it was it was like you're you're grinding every single weekend, you're playing like teams, you're getting whacked and hacked every single game. Luckily for me, as I played up in, in Janesville, so we were up in, I think it was like the Midwest, or I don't even remember the the division, the central. But if you played like down in the South, like 
Texas, Topeka, Corpus Christi. Like I have buddies who played down there and it was just like a shit show every single night fights and people loving it and they're playing in, you know, full bowl arenas and all that. So it was, it was a grind, man. It was a, it was probably the hardest hockey I ever had to play in my life, but I'm definitely better for it for sure. But yeah, it was a, it was a fun time there. Yeah, we always talk like the boys from the North South are just built different. That is a, a different breed of hockey. They might as well be their own league. It's like Royal Rumble down there. We would do like the showcase at the beginning of the year and they'd mix and match who you'd play against. And you'd play like Texas and you're just like playing these mutant like 6-6 defensemen who are just trying to like murder you. And you're just like, what did I sign up for? What was one of your, your favorite experiences in junior hockey? Because I know a lot of guys, you know, especially in the Nall, like there's a lot of travel in that league. But like what's a moment that like stands out to you when you're looking back on your junior hockey career? My favorite memory for sure was we got to go up to Alaska. It was like two weekends of games in a row. So we went up like on a Thursday uh, to Fairbanks. We flew in there and then we played Fairbanks Friday, Saturday, practiced there till I think Wednesday, and then jumped on this like little puddle jumper plane that like literally fit our whole team. And that was it to Kenai River. Went and played Kenai uh, that weekend and then flew back. So that was just a super cool experience to be able to do that. But yeah, I'd say that was definitely like my top favorite for sure. Uh, and then on top of that was like playing in, in Fairbanks was like so sick. Like they packed that place. Fans are like throwing beer cans at us in the warm ups. Like they have a great show. So it was, it was really cool to go to the different ranks and see how they have the setups and all that. So now towards the end of your junior career, it sounds like you knew you wanted to play college hockey. Was Illinois on your radar? Were you looking at NCAA division three schools? Like how did that process go about? Yeah. So um, I kind of had a few on my radar from the, the club specific. I think like what happened is like once I went down to the NA three, I like played on like the worst team ever. Like we won eight games. We'd play like North Iowa and lose like 14 to one. So like there wasn't a ton of like scouts actually excited to like watch us because we were terrible. Um, so I didn't get like a ton of sniffs from a D3 perspective. And at that point, I was kind of over it. You know what I mean? Like you're just like, we're getting beat every night. This isn't as fun. Like I kind of want to just go to college, enjoy college, get a good education. And when that kind of like set in, Illinois started to be the front runner. I applied there. I actually applied to Iowa State as well because one of my buddies I played in Janesville with went there. I just remember sitting in like North Iowa in their like shitty hotel. And I got my email saying I got accepted to Illinois. And I was like, hell yeah, like thinking I'm going to go there, uh, visited Illinois and Iowa State. And just like you go to Illinois and it's just like, it's like, how do you pass it up? I'm sure you know that too with Syracuse. It's like so much fun. And I knew so many people and so many of the guys on the team already that it was honestly a no brainer once I got down there. Well, I think that's the funniest thing. I've seen it once in person. We'll get to the 2018 national championship, but I've actually, they have like the full archived games. I remember watching that video for the first time and they introduce you your starting lineup and every kid on the team is from Illinois. When we went to nationals in 2022 in St. Louis, they played Liberty. Sure enough, every kid from the starting lineup is from Illinois. Like, is there just a lot of state pride? Like, do kids from Illinois just love the fact that they can go play for the University of Illinois? It's kind of interesting. And we'll kind of get into it when we talk about nationals is, is it's a hard school to get into just from like a, like you have to have good scores. You got to have good grades to get in. And it's really expensive to go out of state in state tuition is very expensive, but out of state's even more expensive. So I think that's like a big part of it. But yeah, I think like everyone kind of like goes to, you know, it's Indiana, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois. Those are kind of like the big four schools from like the Chicago land area that a lot of people go to. So yeah, I don't know. And I think part of it that made it tough for us was that it was hard for us to get kids from other states and, you know, from other leagues that couldn't get into the school and into school. Um, so you find yourself kind of like 
just picking and choosing from the kids that come down who come in. I think like our national roster had maybe half the kids never played juniors and played double A. And so like just for us to even get there was like, holy smokes, like how is this happening? But it was a very uh, young and very inexperienced for better or worse word. But I, I, I don't really know what it is. I think people just like the school and, and it's a tough school to get into. So not everyone can just, you know, apply and get in and then head there. So yeah, walk us through your, your welcome to the ACHA moment when when you got to campus and, you know, whether it was tryouts or the first game of the season, like what was something like you weren't expecting that that caught you off guard early on? I hate to reuse this one that uh, the cap used, but when you go down and visit, the rink is like right in the middle of campus. You know, we're all fired up to be there and, and training camp's going to start, practice is going to start and everything. And and we're like, all right, like, like where do we got to be? They're like, oh yeah, like we got a carpool to ISU and Danville. And I'm like, why? It's like, we have a rink right here. They're like, oh, they tore out all the ice over the summer and they're redoing it. So we spent like two months driving 45 to 50 minutes, either one way away from um, campus or the opposite way um, to skate at ISU's rink or skate at Danville's rink. We're packing like three bags into like a four person car and we're just like squishing these cars. Like what the hell is going on here? And what did I get myself into? So that was definitely one of the ones like right off the bat. I'm like, I hope this isn't like a normal thing. Well, it's because it takes two months to fill the big pond with ice, right? Like the ice sheet's so big that they they got to take two months worth of water to fill it. I'm not kidding you. Like you would walk in on a Friday night and then the other team would be there and you just see like nine guys lining up against the wall, looking at the rink and they're all just like, like, what the hell is going on here? It was massive. It played to our advantage. Our freshman year, we were undefeated on a Friday night. So we, we took advantage of that, but I would never want to play in that rink again. I was just too... By the time you're a senior and you know put on a couple pounds from your four years of college, like getting around that rink is tough. It, was that a place that you had grown up playing in, being from Illinois, or do is there no youth team that plays out of there? So they have uh, they have a youth team, like they have like a Champagne youth hockey program there. But no, I never played there, never seen it in my entire life until I came down to visit. So we have kids that were like good enough, and they would drive up to Chicago two hours every day for for like AAA and play AAA. But yeah, not a ton of hockey down there. Um, you got kind of Bloomington at ISU and no, I'd never been down there and had never seen it until I got there. Aside from the sheet being like double the size of a normal sheet, being on campus definitely helps. And and you guys winning on Friday nights, like talk about the crowd, like how cool of an environment is to play that. I know like the fans are right on top of you. They're almost like you can't even see the bench from the bleachers, right? You are above the bench. So like, what are some memories of those Friday night home games? So I think like what really helped is uh, our coach just really never let us forget about this is when he was playing. Um, it was like the 05 through 08 years. They went undefeated one season, like never lost a game, won the national championship. So they really kind of like set the foundation big time for us just in like the the crowd and like the harassing Illini and all the different people that would come to the games. So then when we kind of came in, it was like the buzz was already there. The people loved us, like the games are fun. But that rink is just like when we would get it going and we were playing well and we were winning games like Friday, Saturday nights, it was rocking. Like we're talking two sets of set of stands on both sides of the rink that would essentially like you said like the stands ended at the glass and that place was like packed on uh, both nights and but i think like the best nights for sure were like uh dad's weekend we would sell like two game passes to the girls in the sororities so we would go to like their dinner announcements at their sorority house and like it'd be like me and cap and we'd be like telling them about the weekend telling them about the deal with the tickets and we just happened to like be good friends with a lot of the different sorority girls and everything on campus so we would sell like i would sell like you know five six hundred dollars worth of tickets selling them at like 20 bucks a pop so we would get like we're talking like both top sections full the whole around that bottom of the rink would be packed 
Um, and those were just like, and, and I remember we swept, I think we swept Iowa state at home on dad's weekend. One was in a shootout. So like those nights were just like the best. And, and just being a part of that, like environment was like, it was like, this is why we're here. You know what I mean? It wasn't like we'd get, you know, 15 fans a game and it was quiet. It was, it was, uh, it was electric. So it was, it was a fun place to play for sure. And, and not only is it a fun place to play, you're playing in arguably the best league in the ACHA and the CSCHL. You know, at the time you got Lindenwood, you got Iowa State, you got Ohio, you got Robert Morris. Like you are battling every weekend. Was there an adjustment period for you coming from the Nall? Was the, was the pace of play much higher than you expected? Yeah. So I, I would say like for me, my freshman year was, was definitely one of the years where like, I, I didn't know what to expect for sure, but I was definitely like in my best hockey shape and all that. Cause you know, not that I didn't skate over the summer, but I wasn't like training to go try and go division one anymore. So I didn't do as much every year. The pace was pretty good when I got there, but definitely like a lot better than I was expecting. It's Saturday night. You're done your second game of the weekend and you're standing like in the locker room, you're just looking at your body and there's like bruises all over. You're like, where did this come from? And so I think like that part of it also made it a really, really good experience to like play club hockey. You know, I, I know there's like always been that stigma that it's, you know, oh, it's club, it's club. Like we've heard that for years. I would truly tell everyone like playing in that division was like every weekend, like two games was going to be a battle and you just really didn't know who's going to win. Uh, a lot of rivalries, a lot of guys that like, it's funny now where, you know, we got like three guys from Ohio that coach at the same program that me and my buddy who we coached together and like we were two of the most hated guys on our team just from like slashing guys and doing stupid shit now we're like walking in the locker room about to coach some kids and we're like harris like yo you're you coach here now it's like oh yeah i used to hate you so it's funny to like come back together after a long time and be like they're all good guys everyone's a good guy it's a game it's a it's intense and it was fun but um a lot of mutual respect at the end definitely like as you come as a senior lot of mutual respect before the with those guys that you know you battled against for four years so you mentioned being being tough to play against you see you had uh, 32 points your freshman year 83 pims though what were you doing after the whistles to get you 83 pims on the year i hate to say it but i took a lot of dumb penalties just truthfully i i think part of it was like a lot of passion in my game and and i think like i was a guy who was in on the four check like i was throwing bodies like i wasn't afraid to like go in there and chip like i wasn't a guy who was like skilled and didn't like really like the physical stuff it's kind of a mixture so a lot of slashes kind of coincidental in front of the net stuff um which is is funny because my buddy uh james mcging who's my sister my head coach uh today he was like the opposite he was like the you know he'd have 90 penalty minutes he'd have you know 40 points a year but he would be like 10 minute misconduct kicked out of the game. So uh, we were kind of like uh, Cheech and Chong in that sense where we would both get a lot of penalties, but completely different reasons. I'm assuming you guys went to nationals your freshman year, 2015. Yeah. So we went, we went to nationals all four years. I was there. We actually, uh, I know cap told us when we lost you guys, uh, I think our sophomore year in the first round, but yeah, we went every, uh, all four years we were there. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You mentioned that I was actually looking for the bracket from the 2016 tournament. I had no idea that, Cuse played Illinois that year and we actually just went we had our Hall of Fame alumni banquet the goalie that played in that game and stole it for Cuse got inducted into the Syracuse Hockey Hall of Fame so I was like what a coincidence that uh Crookshank's coming on this week and and we got catch got inducted into the Hall of Fame but looking at it like how big of a deal was that for the national tournament was there high expectations because you guys were Illinois and 
you know, the foundation had already been laid out and there was kind of that expectation for you guys to go every year? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the expectation for sure was, was going to nationals every year. You had to really like string together a couple good games in a row as, as we all know, it's tough to win. Everyone wants to win it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think our freshman year and our senior year, um, were our two best years. Obviously the goal every year was to win, win the national championship. But again, once you get down to that, like quarterfinal semifinal, like it's like four or six wagon teams that are all fired up all playing and and so it, it's a tough tournament it was a lot of fun i think our senior year was obviously like the best for sure but it's, it's it was a tough tournament it was it was obviously it was awesome to get there um but it really really sucked that we couldn't like seal the deal our senior year well and not only that not only are you playing like really tough teams but you're essentially playing like four games in five days like the body the body is, is exhausted by the end of that i i noticed you had a funny story about playing uco at the national tournament was that in 2017 yeah that was 2017 because i was the two years back to back in columbus i was the first year in columbus right and i think uco went on to win did they go on to win it that year in 2017 i think they might have won it that year and they they had some old guys on the team oh my god man it was insane i was looking at this roster and I'm looking at at us and I'm like, okay, we got, you know, we got Demo. He's a 98. He just graduated high school last year. We got like three or four other kids that are like 97s. Um, we got a handful of 96s. And I like look to the right and I look at their roster and it's like 89. I'm not kidding. It was 189, two 90s and like three or four 91s. And, and at this point, I'm a junior and I'm a 93. So you're thinking like, first off, like what's going on? 89 or the one of the 90s was like a Minnesota State Mankato D1 transfer. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be like miserable. I think we ended up going down two uh, in the first. And then we came back and scored like two shorties uh, in the second to tie it up 2-2. And then I think they just like ran away with it and won like, I don't know, like 5-6-2. But that was honestly like, unfortunately, it was three years later. That was my welcome to the ACHA. I was like, what in the fuck is going on? It's like, what's going on here? you're like trying to check the ACHA website like is this even legal like how how could we be doing this a 98 at that point was like I think he was like 18 years old maybe 19 years old these guys are like they could probably be their parents you know what I mean like they're 10 years older it was something that I was like I didn't even want to play against them like they were four years older than me let alone a kid that's you know nine years younger now what's it like like in the locker room when you have so many of those guys who are like fresh out of high school are you instantly like a veteran in the room because you played juniors any funny memories about like these kids lining up for draws against guys six seven years older than them i think the one thing and, and again no, nothing against these kids but you can definitely see the maturity level is is way 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 different and i'm sure most guys can speak to this like playing juniors like you grow up pretty quick in a year or two years but it, it's funny you know like just hearing the things they talk about and what they're interested in i think the the maturity thing and just like what they're interested in just kind of you know, giving them shit and, and kind of getting on their case a little bit, knowing that they're so much younger was good. But no, I still talked to a handful of the the younger guys. I mean, even when we came in as, as freshmen, almost every guy in our team in our freshman class was 93, 94 birth year, all played juniors. And like our seniors were like 93s. So like we're essentially the same age. So yeah, I think it's that's another interesting thing is you just get such a plethora of different, you know, backgrounds and, and where guys played and how old they are and things like that. You got to play for Illinois hockey legend Nick Fabrini, who's no longer at the helm behind the bench. But like, what what kind of guy behind the bench was he? Was he a player's guy? Did he demand a lot from you? 
Yeah, Fabo, um, it's actually funny. Like we we play men's league together now and and he's a great guy. Like I I love him as a person. He was such a he's such a funny guy to hang out with, have beers with after after a game. But you know, he he did so much for that program, is the best way to put it. Like he had no help. He was like the ticket guy, the marketing guy, the video guy, the head coach, the you know, he did so many things and wore so many hats. And it was because he really, really, really cared about that program. Like he did so much and he won he won so much there and he truly Truly, truly like had so much pride in that program. So he was awesome to play with. Me and him butt heads here and there every once in a while. But that was just because we both wanted to win and we both had, you know, like heavy passion of the game. But I mean, he demanded a lot out of his top guys. He demanded a lot of his seniors. He demanded a lot out of his, you know, his guys that he brought in um, that he expected a lot of. Uh, but no, he was he was definitely a player's coach. He liked to have fun with us. Definitely glad he was there. Again, like it's it's one of those things where like now we're buddies. We have beers, we laugh, we talk about his coaching and all that. So yeah, it was a it was a good run with him, and I'm definitely glad that our our paths crossed in uh, in hockey. We talk about it a lot. You almost need that kind of guy like throw x's and o's out the window if you want to succeed in the acha level you need the coach who's like doing the promo schedule and the tickets and the buses and doing all the behind the scenes work because this job demands so much more than you know maybe an ncaa coaching gig or a junior hockey gig yeah no absolutely and if you see it now like there's a lot of teams in the acha that have unreal setup i mean you see lindenwood but like they're an exception but there's a lot of teams that have really nice setups and really nice programs and and you know they get support from the school unfortunately like we didn't get any support from illinois um like financially you know there's dues and you know we're trying to make sure we're selling tickets because that's a big piece of our revenue so there was a lot he had to deal with it was a it was a good time and and you know he made it work and and i think us winning helped us a lot because it made people come back and want to watch but we i mean i don't want to say fabo did everything i mean we had the illini ice girls that helped with some stuff we had a really really good kind of core group of people that did the announcing and the score boxes every weekend. So he had some help compared to a lot of the other programs. Like he was uh, he was a one man show. So we definitely appreciated that. But he did forget the USB cord or the, the HDMI cord several times for video. So he never he, he wasn't perfect for sure. Can't let him off the hook there. You mentioned like, you know, fighting for support with the university. Any out of the box fundraisers? You mentioned, you know, going door to door at the sororities to sell tickets. But were you guys doing any, anything crazy? We were able to actually go out and sell advertisements for, you know, posters or pucks or website space. So I actually like grabbed that one by the horns and like would get a couple thousand dollars of, of advertising to help, you know, fund my hockey as well as get some money back to the program. Again, the tickets and, and ticket sales, but we really drove our, you know, keeping us afloat financially was a lot of the ticket sales. So we, you know, we really banked on our, our fans coming and getting as many people into that building as we could. And you mentioned playing in some of these schools like the Lindenwoods of the day. Any other places that you played that you were doing a double take walking into the rink with the setups they had? So we never played Lindenwood in their new rink. They still had a good setup going. I mean, ISU's setup is sick. They just can't fill that arena because it's massive. Um, They had a pretty good setup, but that's a good question. I can't really think of anyone that we played um, outside of the box that was. We did actually go up to, we went up to mine up, but at that time they didn't even have a locker room. So I guess I'm going against what you asked and I'm saying the complete opposite. <laughs> we played Minot in Minot. We sleeper bust all the way up there. And I remember like walking out of the locker room before the warm up of the first period. And I looked down the lock. I'm like, is that your guy's locker room? He's like, oh no, we don't have a locker room here. Like we have to drive our gear back to some place and like store it there. And I was like, at that time, like Minot wasn't quite what they are now. Like they're 
an absolute wagon of a, of a program, but, um, it was pretty funny to be like, Hey, it's not that bad. At least we got a locker room. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's crazy looking at the set, the success that they've had recently. And to think not long ago, they, they didn't have a locker room at their own barn, which uh, that, that's mind blowing, but walk us through like this, this senior year, there are the fifth year options in the ACHA. Was that ever something you considered or were you going into it? Like, Hey, this is one last run at it. That was it. That was the last kick of the can. I was not that I was like done with hockey at that point. Like I knew the end was near kind of thing. So it kind of motivated me. But like at that point, I was just like, my body can't take this anymore. Like I'm, I guess I'm getting too old, but no, it was exciting. And I think what made it super exciting was like I said, our freshman class stayed together. We lost a few guys, which is, I don't know if it was common for you guys, but it was pretty common for guys to drop off or guys to come in for a year or two and then stop playing. And we kept our core pretty much through. We had, uh, I think nine or 10 seniors, our senior year. Um, and we just kind of like, kind of all got together and said, you know, this is our last chance, like one of the best senior classes that's come through this program and, and definitely like a tight, close group. Like, you know, let's give it our all and see what happens. And so I don't actually remember season wise. We definitely were not like, you know, one or two or three in the country. I know I remember we maybe at one point we broke the top five, which is pretty good for us. We just hit the like the right like stride right at the right time and just kind of got on this little heater. And the coolest part about it, I think, was like when we started to like it was like first round we won, you know, Illini Twitter's tweeting, people are like favoriting it, you know, 20, 30 favorites. And then you get to like the next round and we beat, I can't remember who we beat, I think it was Ohio in overtime. And it was like, okay, two, two fifty, three hundred likes. And now you're getting text messages from friends on campus. All right, okay, this is cool. And you get into like the semis and you beat Minot and you're like, it's like the whole entire campus is like buzzing about this. And this has never happened for us. So the fact that like we got so much support and so like they were playing the game on the stream and at the bar, like it was sick. So we just kind of found it in it within us and, and, you know, had a lot of guys that were not guys we expected to be guys that would carry us or score big goals, scoring big goals. So um, it was kind of a full team effort. It was a full on like wild, wild experience. You kind of just ran into a gauntlet there at the end, like. Adrian, looking back now, like it's kind of the start of their dominance over the last couple of years. Like, had you guys played them leading up to that game or was that, uh, you know, a shell shock moment? No. So we hadn't played them. I think like what made it hard to decipher, like how good they really were was that, I mean, they were like, you know, it was like them Dearborn and like maybe Davenport at that point in the, I think it was like the GL CHL or something like that, the Great Lakes, they would be beating teams by like 10 goals every weekend. So you're kind of like, okay, they're probably not playing that good of teams. They're undefeated. They Maybe they lost one game, whatever. Whereas like we're playing like three, two games every weekend against some of the best teams in the country. So you're looking at the numbers, like guys got like two points a game and all this. And you're like, okay, so they're, they're good. Like how good are they? And you don't really get to see that until you go to nationals. We watched them play Lindenwood in the semis after, right before we played Minot in the semis. And I knew like a handful of Lindenwood guys. And one of my buddies who was on the team after they lost texted me and he was just like giving me the breakdown. Here's what they do, blah, blah, blah. I was like as motivated as I've ever been for hockey in my entire life. And they just like, ran us out of the building like it was just like a whole other level of like a team that we were just like completely outmatched i think if we played them again we would not have lost eight to one i don't think we had some of like our top guys have bad games and things like that but like they were hands down like the best team we played by far and those games are tough too because once you go down by a little you're doing things like you're trying to get three goals on one shift right and you're making mistakes so i think sometimes people see those blog games and they're like, wow, you know, that team's a lot better than the other. But, you know, 
it's the last game of the season. Like you're doing everything you can at that point. You, you, sometimes you're going away from the systems there. Yeah. And like, I think it was two nothing and we scored to make it two one. And I was kind of like, okay, maybe we're back kind of thing. And then they just absolutely waxed us after that. It was definitely like an emotional moment at the end. Like I remember we sat in the locker room for probably 30 to 40 minutes, like cap me, Stuve, McGing, all of our senior. And we were just like, crying hugging each other like that was the you know this is the last i'm getting chills talking about is like that was the last game of our our career unfortunately like to end it that way sucked but to get there and like say you got there was like a good second place but it makes for an unreal joke now because we just talk about how we got absolutely blown out in natties we we skipped over it but we we do have to talk about it We, we hinted at it before the original dm going into senior night of your senior year you were sitting at 69 goals and 69 assists in your career is that something you knew going into the night and that's something you know was on your radar going into the night for sure like it was something we kind of worked up to like the previous couple weeks but i made sure that because we do like the the senior night announcements fabo would you know say what you know how many games you played where you're from what's your major how many points how many assists goals etc that you have i was at that point and everyone's like yo you can't get an assist or you can't score like we got to make it through senior night. So I'm not going to say I didn't try to score, or try and get any points. Probably just had a shit game, but definitely got to the senior night with the 69. 69 it was hilarious. I think there was a, it might've been like Barstool, Illinois or somewhat, some sort of Barstool had, had tweeted it because I sent it to a bunch of different accounts just to see who would send it out. But yeah, it was a funny story. Just one of those good ones you look back on and say like, like what are the chances of being there? To, I'll have to fire over that video of, of Fabo announcing. It was pretty funny. Well, it's like if Hockey House was there back in the day, we would have been all over that. We just, we weren't there yet. But I mean, was there ever uh, any thought like, you know, the ref comes in, he's like, hey, who got the assist there? And you're like, oh, that was 11, not not 15. 11 got the apple there. <laughs> I, I think it was one of those things where it was, it was, I, I might've even had to like get an assist or something to hit it before senior night, but no, nothing like that. It was, it was just a good, it was funny. And, and there's a good little uproar of, of laughter from the guys when they hear him say that. So it's, it was a funny story and it was just kind of ironic. So hashtag nice. You, uh, we've talked about Lindenwood, Iowa state. One of those other rivals is Ohio. You said that you had a pretty good story uh, of you guys being pretty shorthanded and you pulled off the upset against them. Which year was that? Oh, that was, so that was our junior year. Cause I remember our goalie, Joel, and who's a stud. We'll get to the stats in a second, but we had played them Friday. It was like the classic, like McGang, the kid I was talking about earlier, like did something crazy, like all hell ensued. And there was like a bunch of suspensions and, and game misconducts and things like that. So we ended up not having him. We were missing like three or four other guys. And we're just like, oh man, we got to play them at home. I think it was their senior night too. At home, at the bird, senior night. I think we had uh, 11 forwards. Two of them were defensemen. One kid was injured. And then we had like four or five D. I just remember looking at the lineup being like, what is going to happen here? Like, this is going to be an absolute bloodbath. I think they had 100 shot attempts. Our goalie made 58 saves and we had like 35 blocks. It was a war. Like you can only imagine like the boys after on the bus just crawling to get into their seat. Caprio, I think, had 10 blocks in that game himself. He was an absolute machine blocker. Like that guy was like a goalie out there. I think it was late in the third. Uh, Mark the Candyman Candotti, one of the defensemen that was playing forward. Another kid was coming down the, the right side with the with the puck and Candy's going to the, the going to the net. And he just ripped one off the far pad and kicked out right to Candy wide open and he just buried it. I remember him like sliding into the corner and like had his arms up as he's laying on his back. We all sallied. We ended up winning the game one nothing. So it was it was wild. I don't know if any of them remember it, but that was one we definitely never forgot. 
I mean, that is unbelievable. 58 save shutout, one nothing victory at the bird. It doesn't get any better than that. And that place was like, they had like the Vancouver green guy who would stand by the, the, the penalty box and like get in your grill. And they, I mean, it was such a small rink too. So not that they didn't get a lot of fans, they'd pack the place, but it wasn't hard to pack it because it was a smaller rink. So I'll argue biasly and say Illinois was the best place to play, but that was definitely like right up there because they're right on campus. They do a great job with, with their pregame and, and, you know, those fans love them. And, and that was definitely one of the places we hated to play because you knew it was going to be a grind, but definitely one of the more fun places to, to play. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. I feel like we've talked about it like eight episodes in a row, but like we're never going to get the magic of the CSCHL back. You know, now that, you know, some of the teams are independent, you had Iowa State not play last year. Robert Morris rebranded as Roosevelt. Like it's never going to be the same, but we got to put together some 30-30 documentary about those barns back in the day. And and again, like I, I wasn't fault. I knew the Iowa State stuff going on. I knew like kind of the or Robert Morris Roosevelt stuff, but I didn't really know that the whole ACE or the whole CSCHL was kind of like slowly depleting. And then, you know, Lindenwood goes D1, Iowa State's not playing. And then, you know, it just kind of all went to shit, which is unfortunate. But I think like, you know, that's like how the, the ACHA has now evolved into what it is now. And it's cool to see these new programs. Like I remember, you know, Jamestown, Indiana Tech, um, they were kind of like, you know, just jumping into that like top 20 spot we'd play them and you know they'd give us good games that we'd usually beat them pretty good jamestown was always good but now you're seeing these teams and they're like you know top 10 teams they're kind of running the show and and you know that's it's cool to see the the you know them climbing up the ranks and getting better and you can see just like the investment that these schools are making in their hockey programs which is cool uh, but again ohio is still just sitting up there in the top spot like they always do yeah, we, we got to get Illinois back up in the rankings. That'll be, uh, I know you boys are probably shaking your heads seeing, you know, some of the results of lately, but hopefully they can uh, jump up some spots soon. Yeah, I saw the uh, the 19 round shootout. Um, one of our, our goalies had sent us a, a tweet, a uh, screenshot of it. And we're like, holy smoke. So one of the, our buddies who played, uh, his younger brother, actually, who was a, he played in the USHL, was a D1 commit. Um, he's the head coach now, so. We'll see. Um, it'd be nice to see them climb their way back up to the top, but I'm glad we were we were at the top and we were there. It was, it was uh, made it a good time. While we have you on, Cap is a good friend of the show. He's done amazing things for the ACHA. You know, putting together prospect showcases and you know the Chicago Classic coming up here will be the second time they do that. You mentioned he blocked a bunch of shots in that game against Ohio. Like, what's a funny story that you have of, of Cap from college? Oh man, that guy, he's one of my best friends. Shout out to, uh, he wanted me to give a shout out to, to Cap, Cap Hockey Services, who's starting to run all these, uh, these pro, these, uh, tournaments and whatnot. So yeah, he's done a great job. I think you were, you were at the last one at fifth third. He went down there. Yeah. Great time. He, I mean, I've never seen, I've never been to a showcase where they roll out the red carpet quite like he did. When he puts his mind to something, he, he does well. So he, it, it was really, really cool to see what he was able to do with that whole entire thing and how quickly and how fast and how big he grew that thing. He told all the good stories, but you have to go back to when we were at, we decided to go. And by the way, we had the worst pregame meals ever. We were eating like Bob Evans at nationals. Like, of course, we're not going to probably win. Um, but we went to Buffalo Wild Wings before a game. It was at Iowa State. Everyone's like, okay, like I'll get a wrap or I'll, you know, water and a wrap. And he probably didn't tell the story exactly. So I'm going to tell it exactly how it went. He ordered uh, wings, which is fine. Some guys ordered some wings. He ordered a Coke and then he ordered mini corn dogs. And we're just sitting there and we're like, did he order corn dogs? And they're like, yeah, yeah, he did. He did. We're like, whatever. It's cap. Like he'll be fine. Like the guy is like, he, he'll be fine. And we get to the game and we find out that he's not in the, in the lineup. And I'm like, oh my God, like there's no way it was the mini corn dogs that caused the, him to be out of the lineup. 
we've had out later it was the mini corn dog but i think he ended up being in the lineup because we had some someone got hurt or something but that's one of those stories where i was like i could never play a hockey game after eating all that and cap would go out and you know have an assist have like four block shots and be plus two on the night or something like that so that was that was funny but yeah we lived together our senior year and um yeah he's one of my best friends to this day so great guy and, and funny guy a lot of good stories with cap What's your favorite memory off the ice being in Champagne? I mean, you know, you mentioned it earlier. It, it's so cool when you get to go play college hockey at a, at a big school like that, right in the heart of Big Ten country. Like, were you guys going to the football games, the basketball games? Yeah. So, I mean, like the the cool thing about Illinois is that the bars are 19 to get into. Um, so your 21st birthday is kind of your 19th birthday down in Champaign. We bounced around the bars a lot. Not as many like house parties and like uh, most of us weren't in frats. There's a handful of kids later on that joined frats and we kind of do both that would you know kind of do the frat parties and things like that but i just think like the funniest thing would be it'd be saturday fabo would be like on his way down to the the locker room and you would just look around the room and everyone would just be like ripping their gear off like trying to get undressed as quick as they possibly can because like we wouldn't go out thursdays or fridays so saturday was like our big night and you would just see guys like in their towel and fabo would be like walking he's like hold on hold on hold on i gotta say a few things we'd leave the rank we'd stop at the liquor store on the way grab like the nastiest bottle of like burnett's or like taka We'd get back to the place, we'd rip like four or five shots, and then we'd just be boom right to the bar by like 11 o'clock. So those are some of like the fun moments of just like the different lifestyle we had to live because of hockey. We were more like going to the bars. So at, at Illinois, the at the time, the football team was really bad. So no one really went to the games. And what we had is it's called the block I where the student section is at the game, but they just turned it into calling it block. And we would just go to the bar at like 6am and just drink all day. So those are some of the fun days when we have an off weekend, we'd be able to get up early, like start ripping the music, start ripping the the booze and just kind of have a full day. So it was just like an absolute blast of a school. And, and we had such a good time as a group. That's why Illinois got so many 18 year olds on the team. Cause these boys know they just, they just wait one year and they'll be at the bars. I was just say we may be, uh, we may be figured out why everyone comes to Illinois, but no, it, was, it was actually funny like our freshman year like every guy in our freshman class was like turning 21 or like either after first semester during first semester second semester we were all just like old guys and everyone's like this is weird like what are you guys doing we're in the dorms with like the 18 year olds like it was it was funny but yeah it's definitely something i don't think i've ever heard of um across the board from all my friends who've gone to schools in the midwest big 10 etc that was definitely a fun part the bars were fun and we had a blast there well, so you wrap up the hockey career. You're still into coaching now. Like walk us through, like what made you want to start an, an apparel company and, and how did dot, dot, dot get started? It actually started at the beginning of the year. I like to write goals down every year and what I want to do, whether it's, you know, read X amount of books or, you know, save amount, a certain amount of money. And, you know, I said, I'm going to start a side hustle and I had no idea what that meant or what it was going to be. And I'm going to make $1 doing it, whether that was a TikTok influencer marketing or whatever the the bullshit they put out there that seems to work but it doesn't work and i i was kind of laying in bed and and after i graduated from college and got a job and started making money myself i started to get into more like fashion and and shoes and clothing and like higher end brands um, like the kiths and things like that and i always said that you know that'd be sick like i'd love to start something like that like i've always been pretty creative i've always been into fashion and shoes and things like that that idea kind of clicked with the idea of like hey i want to start a side hustle and i think like the thing about it which you obviously can can relate to is like you can have an idea and people talk about this stuff a lot but no one like a lot of people won't do it and that's like 90 percent of it is like just doing it so i said you know what i'm gonna do this and you know if i lose all my money doing it whatever i know it's gonna be a good experience for me and i just kicked it off so started in january 
Um, did all the business stuff, the LLC, the website, all that, started to find manufacturers, and then launched my first set of apparel in early August and sold out of the full um, the t-shirts. So I have a bunch of hats. My next launch is actually going out next Monday. So if you're listening to this and you want to support a young entrepreneur, uh, feel free to to check it out. But yeah, the, the clothing will go live on uh, on Monday. If you're listening, support a fellow ACHAer in, in his endeavors here. But dot, 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 I love the name, like kind of just how you started the business, right? Like so many people have goals and they never actually follow through on them. And that's kind of where the dot, dot, dot comes from, right? I knew I wasn't going to start something until I knew I found a good name. I was laying in bed and that one came to me and I was like, I'm sitting here, like I like my job, but it's not like the dream job. And I was like, you're kind of in that that dot, dot, dot moment. So the, the, the logo and the brand essentially represents like sentences that are unfinished in our life, the unexpected moments in our life or the uncertainty in our life. Um, and really what I want to do with the brand is, is not only, you know, donate to charities and take some of the money that I make from it and, you know, put it to places that can help other people, but really use it as a platform to push people like yourself and um, like Cap, like, People that go out and, you know, they get passionate about something and they go do it. And I think, like you said, is like people are scared. And I think the risk and the scared part is what stops them from going after something they're passionate about. So if I can use this platform to say, you know what, I did it through this platform by starting a clothing company that represents going after something you're passionate about. That's really the goal. So um, it's a tough message to get across. And obviously, like a, a podcast like this is a great way to get it, get kind of like why I'm doing it. What I'll say, and for anyone who's listening, thinking about that is like, this is the most fun I've ever had working on something. It's hard. It's a lot of work. But when you're doing it, it's like your baby and you can relate to this. And like, this is your baby. You know, everything you do is not just like you're doing it for someone else. You're doing it for yourself because you want to grow it. So um, it's a really like fulfilling feeling. And I know I'm like going on about this, but like it's something that I've never experienced. It's definitely changed my mindset on on kind of like what you can do with your life. And if you take a risk and just go for it, you never know what can happen. Even throw one more in there. Like I know plenty of guys listening to this who maybe just graduated and, and they're in the real world now. And, you know, they're coming home from their nine to five and they got nothing going on. There's only a certain amount of Netflix you can watch to kill time before you go to work the next day. Like that's gotta be pretty cool to like have something to come home to, to keep you busy. Yeah. I think like you you definitely have to have a balance, like figuring out what do I want to do this week or what do I got to get done and just constantly chipping away at it. Cause again, like if you have a job like I do, um, it's like you don't have the whole entire day to, to go and do all this work. So you kind of got to pace it out. And I think if you're into it and you really want to do it and you, you keep yourself organized, like I'm sure it's the same with you is like, you got to get things done, but it's definitely something fun. You get a new like sample in, you're excited to get to see what it looks like and just doing all the media. I was actually able to do a lot of the, I'll, I'll give him a plug, but um, James McGing that, um, so he's been doing all the content for me. So we've got to work together on that. So on brand media, if anyone needs their houses filmed, it's it's definitely fun. And, and when it's something you're you're passionate about and truly love like like the, the statement is true like it's not work you know what i mean so yeah it's been cool and and it's something that i i highly encourage someone to go after think through it you know have a plan have a have an idea of what you want don't just like spin something up but you know if you're interested in something try it out you never know well one last thing before we let you go here and this has been awesome so far but I couldn't help but notice you have the best men's league jerseys of all time. You look like the Oregon Ducks. You got like six different jerseys scrolling through your Instagram. Lemonheads actually, and I'll I'll have to share this with the boys, but Lemonheads started as a roller hockey team. I want to say like 12 years ago. Um, And it was started by my buddy, Joey Garapola, who is another ACHA alum, uh, played at ISU. And then Garrett Sparks, who is a, uh, who plays professionally, played for the Maple Leafs. He was the first goalie 
to ever have a shutout in their first game in the NHL from the Maple Leafs. But yeah, it's a it's kind of a, a team that's kind of made its way around Chicago and people know about it. But yeah, just like a good group of guys that we played hockey with growing up together that just wanted to have a men's league team and we just kept it going every year. So it's uh, it's been a blast and we just won our, uh, I think we won our 10th championship uh, this past uh, summer. So it's been a fun little road we've we've been able to create over time. That's so funny. Like Garrett, like even it happens all the way through. Like you see goalies who play goalie their whole life. And then, you know, the, whatever, whether it's the hips or they maybe get hit in the head too many times and they, they start skating out once they get older. But it's so cool to see a guy like Garrett Sparks is doing it and he's leading the way for the Lemonheads. I'll tell you something. He loves it so much. Like he's always like, you know, he's always making sure he's getting his goals and he's putting up like three, four, five points a game in the season. And so he, he loves it and, and he keeps, uh, he's the, he's the motor of that team for sure. And so, yeah, it's, it's a good group. It's just funny how, you know, when we're, you know, our first couple of years we were playing, you know, we had guys in the USHL, we had guys in the NA, we had D1, D3 guys, and we were just so good. And then now we're just like, you know, we're just getting old, you know, it's, it's a little different now. We're not playing competitive hockey. So it's still fun to get together with the boys, but it was definitely a fun, you know, 10 years, but the, the early days were when it was really, really fun. All right. Well, we wish you the best of luck. And the next time you, you lay some up for the Lemonheads and, and we thank you so much for joining us. And one last time we got the merch, the dot, dot, dot stuff coming out this Monday, October 30th, right? Dot, dot, dot by Kook. K-O-O-K is the Instagram handle. And then same with the website. But yeah, launch will go out on on Monday at 10 a.m. Central time. Get it fast because it's not a lot of call or not a, not a huge quantity, but um, yeah, we really appreciate you having me on. And I love what you guys are doing. Like, keep going. Don't let, just keep writing the story as the dot, dot, dot would say. Uh, but yeah, we really, really appreciate everything you guys are doing. It's been awesome. So keep doing your thing. Once again, thank you to Eric for joining the show. Lots of insights about Illinois hockey. We already gave those boys a shout out earlier on the pod. So good to have him back on. Also nice to kind of mix in an, an older guest and a former player. Not not by any means that Eric is, is old, but to have the, the graduated player's perspective who's been removed from the ACHA is pretty cool to have. So we thank him for joining us this week. Now we'll turn it over to our burgers of the week. We have an honorable mention burger that got submitted to us, but I actually couldn't find it anywhere on the ACHA website. So give a shout out to the boys at Aurora. They defeated Loyola Chicago and M2 action this week. But kicking things off, Florida Gulf Coast defeated UMaine 14 to 1. We had Alvernia defeat Susquehanna 17 to 1. Minnesota Duluth 16, Winona State 0. Those are the burger blowouts of the week. Now let's kick it over to our games to watch. There are plenty of good ones this week. Hallow weekend, one of the best weekends of the year in college. You know, everybody's amped up. Everyone's got weekend plans. They got costumes picked out and none of that matters if you can't get the job done this weekend friday night we're heading to the wake competition center nc state taking on unc this one is must watch hockey when these two teams go head to head we talked about this one already but friday night at bird arena ohio will host adrian college can the bobcats bounce back in a little revenge game from the acha semifinals last season adrian looking to kind of assert their dominance in that top three of the pack of ACHA M1. Friday night, we have AAU D1 Tampa taking on AAU D2 FAU. We talked about this one two weeks ago. This is going to be a notable matchup. How will Florida Atlantic stack up against Tampa's D1 team? They already took care of business earlier in the year against Tampa's D2 team. Two of the best teams in the TSCHL will face off on Friday night. At the Frank, Indiana taking on Kentucky. Indiana's had the hot start. They seem to be the team to beat in the TSCHL. Kentucky's got some momentum, though, so they will have to show what they can get 
when they head to Bloomington this weekend for a two-game series. And then Thursday night, this is a game I'm very excited about. Had a blast playing it last year until the wheels fell off in the third period and Oswego pulled away. But Thursday night, Oswego will host Syracuse at the Murano Campus Center at the Deb, as they call it in Oswego. It is Greek night. It is pink the rink night. Collins talked about how crazy that place was on opening weekend. They get up for Cuse being in town. It's going to be a home-and-home Thursday, Friday. Both Cuse and Oswego doing pink the rink, so... It's going to be a good matchup, one that guys in both locker rooms are really looking forward to, so we'll have our eyes on that one. Mizzou, they've been off to a hot start. They will take on Purdue and M3 action on Friday night at the Fuel Tank. We got UNLV taking on U of A at City National, two teams that are climbing the charts in the rankings and making some noise. A highly anticipated matchup in ACHA M2. I actually saw this one on the schedule and I was looking for a way to replace it. And then I saw the records of these two teams. We have Montana State University taking on University of Denver. Both of these teams undefeated going in. Powerhouses in M2 West action right now. That is going to be some must-watch hockey. And then in women's action, we have the University of Colorado taking on Arizona State at the Colorado Boulder Recreation Center. Tons of submissions for this one. The girls are fired up. Arizona State won the conference championship in this same barn last year. CU beat ASU in the conference championship two years ago to clinch a spot in nationals. So these two teams are going head-to-head is going to make for some exciting hockey. In honorable mention action this week, Adrian women taking on Minot State women. We got Arkansas taking on Nebraska in M3 action. Those two teams do not like each other. It makes for entertaining action every time they go head-to-head. Stick with M3 action. Hope College is taking on Notre Dame at Griff's Ice House. These two teams, I think, had high expectations of the national tournament this year. Didn't get the job done. They are going to go head-to-head on Thursday night this week. Sticking with the M3, we got Saginaw Valley State taking on Central Michigan on Saturday night. We got UCO taking on U-Mary. U-Mary making the trip to Arctic Edge for the first time. Can they pull off the upset against the highly ranked and undefeated UCO Broncos. Eastern Michigan takes on Concordia and Arbor at the Ice Cube for the Huron Cup Friday night in ACHA M1 action. Sunday in the AAU, we got D3 Alvernia taking on D3 Widener, a rematch after Alvernia won the league title last year. Widener made some noise in nationals as well, so two teams to keep an eye on in AAU D3. Saturday, we have UNH taking on Keene State in a battle for New Hampshire between two of the better teams in ACHA M2 in the Granite State. I might have to make the trip down for that one, actually. Friday night, we have University of Washington taking on Utah in a Pac-8 championship rematch. And then I threw this one in as a bonus, too. Marquette is having their annual Halloween game at the Ponds of Brookfield. Huge tilt versus Wisconsin-Milwaukee. They actually bust the students from campus, and everybody's decked out in Halloween costumes. It is the game of the year for guys on both sides of the ice, so that should be for an entertaining one. But that brings us to the game of the week, another battle between two undefeated teams, the defending national champions, the University of Binghamton Bearcats, hosting... AAU Division I, St. Bonaventure at the SUNY Broom Ice Center. The only undefeated teams left in AAU Division I. Herm, you got a pick? I'm going with my dad's alma mater. I'm going with Binghamton. Why Why else would I bet against the Bearcats? Again, I like that Bonaventure beat Niagara. I think Niagara is a very good team. We talked about this last week. That had me leaning towards Bonaventure. And then I remember last year, guess who proved us wrong last year? We talked about Binghamton not being able to get get it done, and they got it done. They are a tough team to play against, and I think they've had Bonaventure's number, and they're going to keep doing that. So I'm going with Binghamton as well. Looking forward to this action 
going to be a good one. Makes for a really good game of the week. Love we're going with an AAU Northeast matchup. I feel like a lot of times when we talk AAU, we're talking about the teams down south. Brings us to our question of the week, Herm. I was thinking about this one, wanted to go back to kind of get into some ACHA AAU themed questions. I know when you work, you work in sports, sometimes you're wearing suits, sometimes you're wearing sweats. Sometimes we see these walk-in photos and we got guys wearing sweats and guys wearing suits. Which one do you prefer? I'm, I'm guessing you like the suits as a photographer because you get the better shot, but I'm, I'm curious from a personal perspective, what do you like rolling into the rink in? Suits, if you have the opportunity to change beforehand and it's not a long haul road trip. I, I would agree with that take. I think sometimes the toughest part about wearing a suit to the rink is there's no place to hang it when you get in. Like when you're in a, a locker room where there's no hooks and suit on the bench and it's like getting wet and sweaty and it, it just, you, you got to change into that after the game. It, it, it won't be fun, but I'm a fan of suits for home games and, and sweats on the road, especially on, on a long road trip. You want to be comfortable on the bus. You don't have to pack extra stuff, but when you're when you're rolling out of your own bed and you, you can throw on a suit and go to the rink, I think that's what I would prefer too. But wh- whatever gets the job done, honestly, I, I think there's if you're gonna roll up in a, in a sweet fit, like you get you better play the part, right? And then same thing if, if you're gonna roll up to the rink in you know hoodies and you know some coaches might think you you look like a bum when you roll up in sweats, but if you can get the job done, I don't think anyone's gonna care. I, I, Herm, I got a couple of things before we wrap up, but anything on your mind this week as we start to wrap up? It's so funny that you have what you have on the notes because I did the exact same thing tonight too, actually. I got the chance to speak for my former company, Valhalla Tickets. They had me on for a bunch of their employees just to talk about my experience in the sports industry. That was that was a really, really cool opportunity to to get to talk some of the future stars of the sports industry. Yeah, I, I got the chance to go over to my alma mater, Bridgeton Academy, this afternoon. I went and I skated with the team, you know, just puck pushing and, and, and providing any insights to the defenseman when I could. Good friends with Coach Meserve over there and, and John Desmond, who we've had on the podcast. He's the assistant coach and he played at Western Michigan. Basically just went over there to, to see the boys skate and then afterwards had the opportunity to, you know, go to a classroom and fired up a presentation that I put together about the ACHA and AAU college hockey. We do a lot of, you know, promoting both leagues, but to have the ability to speak to a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds and realize some information that I wish I had when I was their age about the club hockey landscape. First time doing this and I thought it went really well. The guys asked a lot of really good questions afterwards. So I just, I want to talk about it on here because if there's any teams, you know, if you're coaching a youth team and, and you want to know more about it and in recruiting tips for this level, there are so many possibilities here and, and you know, not every question is going to get answered, but we'd be more than happy to try our best. So feel free to reach out in the DMs at an email too. If you have any questions, be more than happy to do this presentation anytime here. But I, I wanted to leave you with a fun fact term. The coolest thing I learned from alumni weekend is we had a gentleman, Ed, who had graduated in the seventies from Syracuse university and played on the hockey team. He pulled out of his bag after the alumni skate, a Royal blue and yellow Jersey that said Syracuse. And he said, this was my original Jersey. It's Buffalo Sabres colors. I, I go, Hey, why is that why is that blue and yellow? Like those were never Syracuse's colors. And he said that back in the day, you used to only be able to buy NHL jerseys from the Jersey suppliers. 
And at the time, there was no team in the NHL that was blue and orange. They used to wear Buffalo Sabres jerseys that said Syracuse across the chest. And then when the Islanders came into the league, they immediately bought Islanders jerseys. I'm sure you saw a bunch in the stands this weekend of guys wearing Islanders jerseys that said SU on the front. I thought that was a really cool club hockey story about back in the day, you know, they didn't have, you know, sublimated jerseys like West Virginia where you could put anything you want on it. They had to go with whatever was on the shelf. It's so funny that I immediately went to like, what about the Oilers? But they were WHA at the time, probably. So yeah, I, I thought it was a cool, you know, and they went with the local Sabres and blue and kind of yellow. So maybe other suppliers had Oilers jerseys, but the supplier they were going through didn't. So, you know, the knit sweater, it looked amazing, but I just thought, you know, how, how far, you know, non-varsity college hockey has come. So a really cool story. And I wanted to leave the listeners with that to wrap things up. But as always, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you get any clips, highlights, photos, feel free to tag us at hockey house pod. Feel free to shoot us a DM with any updates from this weekend. And, uh, Uh, We'll see you next week. See you, boys. Yeah.